So yesterday we talked about uh, chanting on the on the the clearing stage and how uh, uh, this central point of, of uh, attentiveness is necessary for success in the clearing stage of chanting. And we also talked about some of the things that may happen while you're on that clearing stage. I mentioned at the end that sometimes, at least from my own experience, there may be uh, symptoms of some kind of mental discomfort while chanting Japa intensely. And uh, my experience, the, the mental discomfort is the, simply the pain of false ego being destroyed or broken up. And once you just tolerate or ignore it and continue to concentrate on the holy name and accept it as a good thing, and uh, I think you'll find that that uh, that uh, that'll work. Now, I we discussed this this uh, uh, uh of uh, inattentiveness, pramada. I want to discuss especially two other offenses, which kind of uh, are maybe more central than others, but of course everyone is different. I can't discuss them all in detail. Uh, the one is the first offense. That one gives us the most trouble, I think, uh, a lot of trouble. This uh, Satam Ninda, Sadhu Ninda, people say blaspheming devotees who have dedicated their lives to propagating the holy name of the Lord. And there's some uh, interesting uh, things about that. I, I think it's on the handout is it from from Harinam Shintamani. Uh, um, and uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur helps us to understand who is a sadhu or who is a devotee. Uh, what what should be the characteristics of a devotee? I don't think it's, it's not in the handout. Okay, but you should know uh, there is a list in the in the Bhagavatam in the eleventh canto of the qualities of a devotee. What is it, the 28, 28 qualities? I forgot the number. Twenty six. Twenty six. Excuse me. Twenty six qualities of a devotee are listed, and it's quite an impressive list of things you look for. And you may think, well, you know, this person doesn't have a lot of these qualities, so not a devotee. It's okay. He <laughs> is a legitimate target of opportunity. <laughs> but Bhaktivinoda Thakur says that, no, that's not the case. And he said that these qualities actually are of two kinds. He calls them Swarup and Tatasta. Uh, Swarup means essential. Uh, he says swarup means the direct or inherent qualities of something. It's essential nature. Swarup is a word that we often use for essence or essential quality. And so there's, there's these qualities of two kinds. And the other, other um, is tatasta, nice uh, but not essential. Um, um, uh, the tatasta, he says, qualities that are ornamental and visible. When the substance, you have a substance which has its essential quality. This is sort of a philosophical de uh, definition. A substance which has its inherent 
quality, it's swarup. And then when it comes into contact with other things, the tatasta, the other qualities become manifest. If you know Descartes, these are primary and secondary qualities of a, of a body. Uh, it corresponds to that in Western philosophy, or Locke anyway. Um, so he says, there's, of these 26 qualities, uh, which we won't uh, take the time to go through, although it's recommended, uh, merciful, tolerant, equal to all, uh, austere, truthful, pure-hearted, compassionate. Um, but the, the one, he says, there's one quality that's actually um, the Swarup Lakshana, the essential quality, and that's has taken shelter of Krishna's lotus feet. That's one of them. Takes the Lord as his only uh, shelter. In Sanskrit, it's, uh, I think Krishna's speaking this verse, so it's Mat uh, Sharanaha. There you are, right there. Uh, Mat Sharanaha, like uh, Sharanangata, you know, Mame Kam Sharanangati, Mat Sharanaha accepting me as the only shelter. This list of qualities is from Bhagavatam uh, uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know, it's the 11th canto I got it down here at the bottom maybe. Eleven, 11-11-30 11-11 11th canto, 11th chapter and the list is goes through texts uh, 29 uh, 32. Yeah, right here. See it? Sharana. Sharana. Sharanagati, right. Accepting me as his only shelter. And in the 11th canto, you'll see a, 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 a description of each of these qualities. So, number 17, Mat Sharana, or Sharanaha. Um, it's also explained uh, that the devotee is really takes pleasure in serving Lord Krishna and is steady, very steady in this activity. Uh, that's the, that's the sign of it. So he says, this is this is the if that's there, person is a is a sadhu, and uh, the other qualities may not be yet manifest, but we're not supposed to take that as very important. The other systems, uh, he, it said, well, here's what he says, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says. Uh, he ta- if one, by association with devotees, uh, takes complete shelter at Krishna's lotus feet, thus he develops his Swarup Lakshana. And then through continued chanting, he will gradually develop all the other Lakshanas or symptoms, these 25 qualities. The other symptoms are Tatasta, but nevertheless are essentially present in a Vaishnava. I assume that what he's trying to say is they're latent and they'll, they'll come out from, from their dormant to their visible state. And so he says that so the saintliness or the quality of being a sadhu does not depends on this Swarup Lakshana and any, anything else really doesn't count. The bodily designation and uh, service, place in the Varnashram Dharma, uh, householder, sannyasi, the Swarabhakshana is the same. And so he says, once he has this symptom, the, the Mat Sharanaha, 
Gradually but unfailingly, the marginal symptoms appear in a devotee's character. Even if the marginal symptoms haven't reached full maturity in a surrendered devotee, and instead some serious discrepancies are visible in his character, he is still to be respected as a sadhu or saintly soul. This is the verdict of the scriptures as expressed in Lord Krishna's own words in the Bhagavad Gita, and it must be given full respect. In other words, if this person, as, as it says in the Bhagavad Gita, is rightly situated in his determination, then is to be considered uh, a saintly person, even though there may be uh, some, some occasional failure or but the determination is there if the person slips and falls they get up and keep going in the right direction for example still to be considered uh, a sadhu I just wanted to clear that up so we all uh, know what that what that means um, the difficulty uh, with with uh, uh, of this of course is that we live in association with devotees and there's many more opportunities for uh, for blasphemy than is if you didn't live in association <laughs> with devotees. We get to know each other. And also sometimes we get very casual in our, our relationships with each other. But one should always be very careful uh, when one's dealing with devotees. If, if we, uh, the more we advance in Krishna consciousness, the more fearful we become of committing this offense. And the more willing we are to error on the side of charity or thinking of somebody it's, it's much better to be wrong about somebody and treating them as a sadhu than to be uh, on that side than to be wrong and not treating them as a sadhu when they actually might be so devotees who want to advance get very very careful about this about this offense uh, and it requires I think some effort because we're supposed if we come to the intermediate stage of devotional service we're supposed to be able to discriminate about different kinds of devotees and judge people's uh, advancement in Krishna consciousness we're supposed to be able to tell a Kanishta Adhikari from a Majjhima Adhikari from a Uttama Adhikari and all those other kinds of things we have to know who, to, who is good association and who's not good association for us not that everybody who's in the community of devotees is automatically good association uh, so we have to discriminate at the same time we have to avoid uh, blasphemy or fault-finding uh, attitude so especially the fault-finding attitude is there uh, in us when we are actually secretly uncomfortable about it we have unacknowledged feelings of, of, of uh, uh, worry about ourselves about our own position and instead of confronting that instead we project that onto other people and therefore you'll always see a person who's troubled by lust and doesn't acknowledge it will always see everybody else as lusty a person who is, has personal ambition but doesn't acknowledge it and try to deal with it will see everyone else's ambition and it almost becomes autobiography uh, the fault that they find and so uh, uh, I've been told Prabhupada said this but it's a common phrase that when you when you point your finger at somebody else we should I'll do it up you point your finger at somebody else there's three fingers pointing back at you 
So sometimes it's a dead giveaway of what you're really thinking or worrying about yourself, but not acknowledging it. If you have, if, if say I, I'm troubled by lust, and but I understand that and I'm trying to deal with it, the tendency to 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 see to to find that problem in other people will not be there so prominently. So a lot of times, fault finding as an occupational engagement uh, is is uh, uh, this a product of blocked spiritual development and an absence of good sadhana of the of the the, the frankness uh, that that we need to have uh, to make to make advancement. We'll see this in the case of. Uh, there's a, there's there's a, a a classical case in in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of uh, fault finding, uh, and that is to say, the uh, the story of Ramachandra Puri, uh, which it, it really exemplifies exemplify uh, it illustrates very nicely the whole psychological. Dynamics. This is in the Anshalila chapter 8, the whole chapter. We don't have time to go through it here. But to find out what the state of Nam Aparad is like and how fault finding develops out of not dealing with one's difficulties, that's perfect. Because, because Ramachandra Puri was a, a disciple of Madhavendra Puri. There, actually, the story is really to contrast two disciples of Madhavendra Puri. One is Ramachandra Puri, and the other is Ishwara Puri. Uh, Ishwara Puri, because he satisfied Madhavendra Puri and served him like a menial servant in his last days, when Madhavendra Puri was on, 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 uh, very ill and infirm, he got the blessings of Madhavendra Puri, and so became was able to become Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, spiritual master. Uh, Ramachandra Puri offended in uh, Ishwara, uh, Madhavendra Puri, no, I'll get the names mixed up. Madhavendra, I switch words again. Madhavendra Puri in his last days. Because, uh, and this was a case of Guru Avajna, uh, because um, uh, Madhavendra Puri was lamenting in the mood of Srimati Radharani, uh, not attaining Krishna. In other words, feeling of, uh, relating to Krishna through strong feelings of separation. And so he was expressing this kind of uh, ecstatic symptoms, which looked like grief. And so, uh, so Ramachandra Puri came and said to him, you know, why are you lamenting? you know you should be meditating on Brahman not lamenting like this and, and was going to instruct him in Brahman and, uh, and, and Madhavindra Puri said you know this is so unfortunate here of my uh, I have not attained the association of Krishna and this fool has come to lecture me about Brahman <laughs> and he, he just left so here is like the major difficulty with Ramachandra Puri is he 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 uh, offended uh, Madhavendra Puri, but never thought he did anything wrong. Actually, he was completely, at least consciously, did not admit he did anything wrong. And, but he then became a fault finder 
of the Vaishnavas. And in fact, what you see is that he, in effect, tried to become Lord Chaitanya's spiritual master too. But he was the bluffing spiritual master, the, the false spiritual master. So he came to Puri and, and, and started to criticize Lord Chaitanya for overeating. Uh, and, and people said to Lord Chaitanya, don't mind him, you know, this is his habit. He sits down with somebody, have more to eat, have more to eat. And then afterwards says, oh, this person, you know, he eats so much. In general, the followers of Lord Chaitanya, they're big eaters, you know. This is not right for your spiritual advancement. And so he took this little, relatively minor matter, how much you should eat, turned it into a major concern, and found fault with all the devotees, and in this way, uh, uh, showed the symptoms of actually not dealing with his major, major problem. There was an there was an offense, and he was not trying to get rid of it. He couldn't even acknowledge it. This is the psychological dynamics that we see. So it's illustrated there. Uh, so uh, one should be very careful of, of this offense. We have to appreciate what it means is that somebody, we can, we can be a little more liberal, I, I think. Uh, somebody who's come to Krishna consciousness and who's attracted to Krishna consciousness, that's a great, shining, good quality of such splendor that all the faults and discrepancies we may see in somebody, and it's not that we should be fools and not see them, uh, they don't count for so much. And sometimes we have to respect people, maybe not for what they are, but what they're trying to become. What they're earnestly trying to become. And, and if we try to keep that attitude and be very, very careful in this matter, uh, it, will, it will help us a lot. Um, anyway, we'll go back and talk about these things uh, uh, after I uh, finish saying I've, I've, uh, I want to talk about the tenth offense. There's another one that's of particular interest. The tenth, tenth offense means uh, is uh, uh, not to have complete faith in the chanting of the holy names or to maintain material attachments even after understanding so much instructions on this matter. Now, it's interesting to note that the offense is not that you have material attachments. You may have material attachments and not be committing this offense. The offense is to maintain the material attachments. What's the difference? Well, I look into my mind and I see so many material attachments. And I think, boy, I've got to get rid of those. I want them to go. I want the whole jungle cleared out. That's, then I'm free from that offense. Uh, if, however, I have certain material attachments that I want to keep, that I'm not, that I'm not uh, targeted for destruction, that I'm saying in effect to Krishna, uh, I'll perform devotional service, but this is my, uh, as they say, uh, non-negotiable demand. I have to have this. Then we're maintaining a, a material attachment. Uh, so that's, that's the difference. We should not maintain material attachments. And this is equivalent to not having sufficient faith in the holy name. 
And uh, I think in that handout uh, somewhere, I don't know which page, I don't, I don't have it here, there is uh, a statement from Majalila 2262, the definition of faith, of Shraddha, which is good to look at because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu defines Shraddha. And you know, Adho Shraddha, in the beginning there is some Shraddha, and as we advance that Shraddha increases more and more and more. Is it there? I think it's there somewhere. In page 7. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, uh, Shraddha Shabde, that is by the word Shraddha, is meant uh, that, uh, that firm uh, conviction, Sudrita, very firm uh, uh, conviction, that uh, by executing bhakti, Krishna bhakti, by executing Krishna bhakti, automatically all other things will be accomplished. That's faith. Uh, so in other words, this is this conf this in other words, this faith manifests itself that if I do not need to maintain desires for other things than Krishna Bhakti. Because the, the mind of the materialist is described in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita as many-branched, bahushaka, right? The, those who are uh, not going to be successful in Krishna consciousness, their intelligence is splayed, but the successful people, they have this vyavasa-atmika bhuti, this one-pointedness of mind. So to achieve that in Krishna consciousness actually requires faith. Because right now, maybe we are trying to cover many bases, uh, many positions. Uh, there's, uh, you know, my psychological needs, there are my material needs, there are my social needs, there are my whatever they may be. I may have so many different needs. And one among them may be my need for spiritual advancement. But to succeed in Krishna consciousness, we have to come to the understanding that actually, if we achieve this one thing, Krishna Bhakti, all our other needs or desires will be satisfied. Be confident of that. Be sure of that. Uh, you know, in the material world, um, it's considered risky to put all your money in one uh, company in the stock market, you know. You're supposed to spread your investments around in case this one company goes bad, the others will succeed. Uh, this is called hedging your bets. Uh, and so people do this when they gamble or engage in business enterprises. You always have many irons in the fire. Uh, you're not supposed to do that with Krishna consciousness uh, because uh, Krishna Bhakti is not one thing among many. It's the essential thing and having that we will be uh, satisfied in every department. And the example that, that, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quotes, the verse he quotes right after this one in, in the Majalila, is the verse about uh, if you pour water on the root of the tree or give food to the stomach, then all the other leaves, branches, limbs will be satisfied. So if you believe that, that's, if you have confidence in this, this is, this is faith. So that's why maintaining a material desire 
That means I don't have that faith. It means, it means it's lacking. I'm thinking that, that if I attain Krishna consciousness, I might be unhappy because I don't have enough money. Or I might be happy because I don't have the right marital arrangement, or whatever it may be. Uh, so we have to have the faith that, that, uh, that Krishna will satisfy me in every department. Now I'm already making plans for my own satisfaction. Usually they don't work out very well. Uh, uh, I've, tried, I've tried taking care of my own life without so much success. And now Krishna is saying, no, you come to me. And you, you surrender to me exclusively. And I'll take care of all your needs for you. Just to free you up so you can be, uh, not be in so much anxiety. And you can concentrate on me. I'll manage your career for you. I'll manage your life for you. And you just concentrate on being my devotee. This is really what, what Krishna says to us several places in the, in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, to his devotees. This is his promise. I'll take care of you. And uh, and uh, the testimony is of all great devotees is Krishna does that. Sometimes it doesn't look to us from the outside that he's doing that, but the devotees who are undergoing it say, yep, he sure is. You know, uh, he really is. I, I see his mercy and everything that he does. And they see it. They, they don't just theoretically assume it's there. They actually, they actually see it. So that's the meaning of, of shraddha, or firm faith. Uh, so that lack of faith in the holy name will, will slow us down in our, our, our progress. And so what we, when we pray to Krishna, when we chant uh, the holy name, we are asking Krishna, if we're saying, please engage me in your service, then automatically the corollary is there and please destroy all my desires for uh, things that aren't conducive to your service. That is the things of uh, <coughs> lust, greed, anger, and so on. Um, now, uh, there's another thing that tends to dis destroy the, the faith in devotees in this in this path, and, and this is the doubt uh, about whether my anarthas or my sinful desires can ever really go away. Because we also we also discover in the process of anartha nivritti just how deep rooted uh, our attachments and our desires are. They they at first we think well not so bad you know. Like Lady Macbeth, you know, a little water cleans us of this <laughs> stain, <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> it's just more than a little water. Uh, uh, we we have to really uh, we discover this this that that this this process of of uh, uprooting these things. You know, you see a weed in the ground, and you're going to uproot it, and you pull it, it doesn't come out, and you get a shovel, and you start digging the dirt around it, and it goes down, and down, and down, and down. Uh, you start to get very discouraged that it doesn't disappear so easily. And, and then, of course, you see also, as we mentioned earlier, many stalwart devotees have uh, fallen by the wayside, 
and so that bad examples and and our own difficulties may also be discouraging to us and so I want to also give you some uh, reassurance that everything will be all right um, and this is because this we have to understand how our material desires and anarthas go away it is not that we remove them it's that Krishna removes them uh, we request Krishna to remove them and when our request is sincere or sometimes desperate it's very sincere Krishna will do it so uh, the insight into this process and just how it takes place is given to us in Srimad Bhagavatam there's a very wonderful text in the fifth canto, 18th chapter, this is text 8 uh, I don't, don't have it on your handout but you can all look this up if you're interested in studying it further but in the fifth canto uh, there's a tour around various Varshas in Jambudweep and the inhabitants of those various Varshas are worshipping various forms of, uh, of the Lord led by a great devotee and offering prayers the, the, the prayers are described as Upanishadic mantras They're like the prose text like the text in the Upanishads so when we get to this place called Kim Purusha Varsha the great devotee who's leading everyone no not Kim Purusha Varsha that's, that's another one uh, I can forget which Varsha now but, but Prahlad Ananda Swami uh, Prahlad Ananda Swami Prahlad Maharaj <laughs> I wonder what I had Prahlad Maharaj is uh, is leading the, the the devotees of that particular varsha in in prayer to Lord uh, Nishringadev, <coughs> Pallad Maharaj, Nishringadev. I said that right. And uh, this is this is the the text. Om Namo Bhagavate Narasimhaya Namaste Jastejaseya Viravir Bhava Vrajanaka Vrajadamstra Karmashayan Randaya Randaya Tamograsagrasa Om Swaha Avayamavayamatmani Bhuyishta Om Shraum Shraum is the Bija mantra for the Shringa Day, one of them. The residence of Jambu. Huh? Yeah, they're all, but they're, they're all on Jambudweep. This is one particular Varsha in Jambudweep. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. I'm sorry. Maybe. Huh? Huh? Hari Varsha. Yes, you're right. That's what it is. Hari Varsha. I'm glad somebody knows. So this, um, the prayer means, I offer my respectful obeisances unto Lord Nisringadev, the source of all power. You notice how his power is emphasized in this verse, especially by repetition. Tejas, tejas say, the power of all power. Vraja Nakra, Vraja Damsta, who has teeth like, uh, uh, like lightning bolts and uh, nails like lightning bolts. Again, a power. Uh, uh, kindly vanquish our demon-like desires for fruitive activities in the material world. See, there they are. Karmashayan, that word shows up several other times in the Bhagavat, uh, Bhagavatam. Uh, see, so Karmashayan, uh, Randaya Randaya. Remove this, and again the repetition is there for urgency and, 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 and force. Uh, 
Uh, ashaya means a longing or desire for karma, uh, enjoyment in the material world, which Prabhupada says demon-like, and we'll see why he says demon-like, for fruitive activities in the material world, and then tamo grasa grasa, and drive away ignorance. So actually you have passion and ignorance here, karmashayan and tamo, you have passion and ignorance, you're asking to be removed. Um, Please appear in our hearts, he says here. It's because that, that's there in the verse, Atmani, in my heart or my mind. So where are we asking Lord Nishringadev is appear in my heart and drive away our ignorance so by your mercy we may become fearless in the struggle for existence in the material world. So Prabhupada begins by quoting another verse in the Bhagavatam, Sanat Kumar, talks about Karmashayan Gratitam. You know, that's a famous verse, Yet Pada Pankaja Palasa Vilasa Bhaktiya. How to be uh, talking about how it's easy for devotees to become free from the hard knot, Gratitam, uh, of, of this desires for fruit of activities. Also, Maharaja Shavadev uses the same two words together, the, the knot and the karmashayan. And Prabhupada mentions there in the purport that one cannot stop the repetition of birth and death without being completely desireless. Uh, Buddha says this also, the Ganis say this, everybody agrees on this point. So, I mean, that's a pretty daunting prospect that these desires should be uh, 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 there. So how do we get rid of them? Because they're so hard. Uh, not so hard for a devotee because Prabhupada says uh, we should always offer our prayers to Lord Nishringadev who killed Hiranyakashipu, the personification of material desires. And then he talks about Hiranya meaning gold and Kashipu soft beds. Uh, uh, what materialistic people desire to make the body comfortable and for this they require huge amounts of gold thus Hiranyakashipu was the perfect representative representative of materialistic life and then Prabhupada says um, any devotee aspiring to be free of material desire should offer his respectful prayers to Nishringadev as Prahlad Maharaj did in this verse now we find out that in the next prayer of Prahlad Maharaj, Prabhupada actually continues his purport to this verse, which sometimes he does like that. So Prahlad is again praying uh, for the Lord to pacify all envious people and bring peace to the world and ask that everyone be engaged in devotional service. So Prabhupada then says, anyone who takes up uh, Krishna consciousness and engages himself completely in the service of the Lord, that's Matsharanaha, uh, engages himself completely in the service of the Lord, cleanses his mind of all envy. Therefore, we should pray to Lord Nishringadev to sit in our hearts. So this is what he said in, uh, from the previous verse, to sit in our hearts. We should pray by here Nishringa, Hidaye Nishringa. Remember how Prabhupada said in the previous verse, you should always pray? Well, it turns out always Nitya. We do actually do this, Nitya, uh, regularly every day. By here Nishringa, Hidaye Nishringa. 
Uh, and what are we praying? Prabhupada translates it for us. Let Lord Nishringadev sit in the core of my heart, killing all my bad propensities. Let my mind become clean so that I may peacefully worship the Lord and bring peace to the entire world. So, this is an interesting uh, take uh, on, uh, on praying to Nishringadev. Because, of course, those of us who are in the movement early on, we always thought we prayed in the Shringa Day to kill the demons out there. <laughs> and that we were naturally already pure. But as it turns out, this is where that each of us are, are hard-knotted material desires. Sometimes they form a little integrated complex, uh, like another person. And that person is the... the uh, Hiranyakashipu in our hearts. And so that's our material desires. And so we're to pray to Nishringadev, you sit in my heart, and just as you destroyed Hiranyakashipu, destroy my material desires. So we should understand that no matter how strong or powerful our material desires are, they are not stronger than Nishringadev. Uh, this is a great comfort <laughs> because actually it can be done we are not allowed to think it cannot be done because actually this is Nishringadev who destroys all the obstacles to progress in devotional service and these are the obstacles the unwanted things in our heart and here maybe even without knowing it we have been praying to him to do that uh, uh, and uh, uh, so he he will he will come, and uh, for this reason we should not have any fear that I'm a hopeless case. Uh, what is under our, our control? Uh, control is the sincerity with which we ask of this, uh, because I think sometimes because of the tense offense we are saying in effect destroy you know, some of my material desires, but not all of them, or let me keep this one. St. Augustine says in his confessions that when he was young and foolish, he used to pray, oh Lord, give me chastity, but not just yet. Uh, so if, if this way, we, we are, we are, our, our, our praying does not have this cry of a child for his mother, this, this, this real sincerity, then perhaps the Lord will stay away for a while until we develop that sincerity uh, and that intensity. But if we're actually serious about it, then I think he will come rather quickly and, and do, his, uh, do his job as we've requested. We should not be attached to the Hiranyakashipu in our hearts. Um, sometimes uh, the course of material life is such that uh, uh, well it's, it's actually uh, we, we have formed a false ego that's not ourselves but somehow or other I think that this false ego is necessary for my well-being uh, uh, and that in effect I, I, I'm accommodating sinful desires or I've made friends with Hiranyakashipu we shouldn't do like that so the, 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 the process of advancement in Krishna consciousness is such that for some time we may, we may feel divided against ourselves. We're, we have an interior conflict. 
this was this happens uh, sometimes we get reproached by it. this happened to me uh, after I became a devotee my old friends said you know you used to be so like together and with it and now I can see you're all uptight and conflicted and obviously this Krishna consciousness is is bad for you and uh, you're not whole and one with it and flowing with the energies well definitely I wasn't because before I flowed with the material energy and now I was trying not to flow with the material energy so I was I was quite conflicted and then I realized it's good for me to be conflicted it's not it's not bad at all it's good uh, and this is a sign of progress because because uh, you, you you have declared war on Maya and uh, in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, in the beginning, it's dis it describes the mind as the enemy. The mind which is the repository of all ideas of sense gratification. Don't think that we are our minds. Uh, uh, our mind, as the prayer goes, is not a Vaishnava. But we are. We have decided we want to become Krishna conscious. So you can rest assured, because of that decision, you're a devotee. Now you've got this inconvenient remnant of your former life in the shape of your materially molded mind. And it's like living with a roommate who's disreputable and <laughs> not, uh, not as interested in you are as becoming a devotee. And uh, the mind has to become re retrained uh, and purified and then again, when the mind becomes, acquires the, the, the habits of devotional service, the mind again becomes our friend. And we do become whole and one with it and together, but then it's, we're flowing with another energy, that is to say, the internal potency. So the intermediate stage is certainly awkward. That's okay. Um, um, it's, it's good that, uh, that actually that's happening to us. I wouldn't worry about it uh, just because of that. But one has to be fixed in one's determination. And we have to be, uh, as far as possible, confident about this process and, um, and follow it as given. And then there will be, success will be there. If there's not, you should review uh, the different uh, offenses against the Holy Name. You should examine what we're doing. Uh, if, if we've just become uh, a little weak, uh, we should seek out the association of those people who are stronger, and just by that association, uh, we will we'll gain some strength. Uh, we should have, have somebody help us. It always helps to have a friend who you can talk to about these problems and undergo them. Uh, 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 review, who's undergoing the same process, and review these these things. And there are many other hints. I, I, I think I put in this handout chanting before Tulsi. How to increase the potency of your chanting. Um, uh, Prabhupada says that talking about uh, uh, Haridas Thakur he chanted before uh, Tulsi Devi and Prabhupada says that we can't chant as many rounds as he did but he said we can follow his example by chanting 16 rounds of the Hare Krishna mantra on beads each day and offering respects to the Tulsi plant. This is not at all difficult for anyone and the process of chanting the Hare Krishna Maha mantra with a vow 
before Tulsi. Notice the three things, chanting the mantra with the vow and before Tulsi. Before the Tulsi plant has such great spiritual potency that simply by doing this one can become spiritually strong. So please make sure if you're chanting and we chant together in the morning in the temple room usually, make sure the Tulsi is there. That's the reason really. The Tulsi goes away. Uh, we're missing uh, something of the point of it. Therefore, we request the members of the Hare Krishna movement to ha follow Hari Das Thakur's example rigidly. Chanting 16 rounds does not take much time, nor is offering respects to the Tulsi plan difficult. The process has immense spiritual potency. One should not miss this opportunity. Oh, words of wisdom from Srila Prabhupada. So I think now we have uh, the rest of the time we can... Any questions or comments you have? On this matter, yes. Yeah, if you really ask him to show me what my anarthas are. I mean, there's a, by the way, for that sadhu ninda, you know, there's a very particular prescription for that one to become free from it. You have to go to the person offended and get their forgiveness, by the way. There's more things to just uh, to that one. But yes, he'll reveal it if we really want to know. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the idea will flash in our head. When Krishna reveals, reveals things very often, often what I need to know, suddenly the whole world will be in a conspiracy to let me know about this thing. I'll open a book and my eyes will light on a passage and it's relevant to what I need to know. I overhear a conversation in the next room, it's relevant. I sit down Bhagavatam class and somehow or other the speaking is talking exactly what I... We've had this experience. Yeah, and this is the arrangement of Super Soul to make sure that we know uh, and and uh, it's, sometimes it's not subtle at all uh, that, that we find out uh, these things. Yes, of course. No, no, I, I didn't mean to give that impression. But rather, sometimes we've been avoiding certain things. And Krishna makes us confront it and face it. And gives us the strength to overcome it. That's the way it, it usually works. Uh, so when Krishna does this, it's, yeah, it's not just really, it just happens automatically. Our participation is required. Uh, our active participation is required as a, as a rule. That's thank you. Yes. Sometimes, on the basis of uh, definition of faith, we hear that uh, uh, planning for the future is Maya, or uh, education is Maya, or insurance mm. is Maya. I wonder how we can uh, have a society 
If it's your duty to plan for the future, then you should not avoid your duty. Uh, so some, I mean, Prabhupada always planned for the future, but also you can plan for the future and depend on Krishna. Um, so this idea that that uh, that one, one should uh, trust one's future to Krishna doesn't mean you should become uh, uh, brainless. Uh, or, you know, you should, like if you're a householder, the way you trust Krishna for the future is one way. If you're a sannyasi, it's another way. Each of you have your obligations and duties according to your position in life. Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's alright to plan for the future. Uh, does trusting in Krishna mean um, um, uh, uh, how much control do I give to Krishna? Well, that may depend uh, also on, on, on Varna and Ashram. But the principle is there, um, how much uh, this goes on. Uh, brahmanas, for example, uh, don't save money for the future. That's Brahmana. Prabhupada said like that, if a Brahmana lives on charity and, and receives more than, than he needs, doesn't put away for the future, or at least not very much, but gives it away in charity. Doesn't save. That's a Brahmana. If you can't live like that, then maybe that's not your, that's not your barn. You, know, you should look at the vritti for every every varna and, and, and see what it is, the means of livelihood. And, and, and each one has its own, uh, its own rules and regulations. But as we advance in Krishna consciousness, we find that, that Krishna has his own plan. And we ultimately surrender to Krishna's plan. Now the way Prabhupada tells his story, this is Prabhupada's version, is that he had a plan to make money in business to spread Krishna consciousness. And he said, Krishna made me a business failure. With the idea that, that Krishna had his, own, you know, had his own plan. And it's true that when Prabhupada started the Krishna consciousness movement, it was undercapitalized. Uh, the startup capital was $25 that he got from the captain of the, the Jaladuta for a set of Bhagavatams. He had uh, what was it, 40 rupees, but he couldn't convert it. So <laughs> that, that was our startup capital. Yet Prabhupada did very well uh, without the, the money he was planning to make and save up for. So you have to find out. You say, Krishna, what is your plan? Doesn't mean you should stop trying to 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 be responsible for the future, especially for the future of your own Krishna consciousness, the Krishna consciousness of your dependence, and the Krishna consciousness of the Hare Krishna movement. That you should make plans for. But you should be seeing, what is Krishna's plan, and how do I fit into it? Not that, you know, I got my plan, and Krishna, you have your plan, but, you know, I'm attached to mine, I think it's better. Find out what Krishna's plan is. And uh, I think if you're right, we're rightly situated, Krishna will let us know what to do, at least what to do next. Sometimes he doesn't show you too many steps in the future, but at least you'll know what to do next. And really, that's all. If you have faith, that's all you need to know. That's really what is what what is the next? If we are asking, what is what do I have to do right now to make advancement in Krishna consciousness? Krishna will always let you know the next step. Why should you know next know the next five steps? Take the first, take the next step, and then see what the next step is. 
Krishna shows you the whole thing, you go, take it step by step. And Krishna will always let you know what you need to know. Okay? Yeah? One is actually the willingness to just take it step by step is another test of faith. That's true. Yeah, you always want to know what's going yeah. to happen next. Yeah, that's true. Uh, she says, did you hear this? That the willingness to take it step by step is another act of faith. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would like to think of the positive how they didn't read the end of the Mahabharata. You know, they didn't know the end. <laughs> that's right. They just like, they, they they just one calamity yeah. after another, but they were always faithful, and then right. at the end, everything worked out right. But they didn't know that yeah. the end was going to be. Yeah, right. They couldn't. They couldn't do fast forward. <laughs> that's true. Control and uh-huh. um, this this idea of um, you know keeping your mind one pointed and just thinking of how you should serve Krishna and not considering you know all the other branches mm-hmm. is probably I think maybe one of the most misunderstood misused points in our philosophy. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. She's saying that the, the, this idea of just thinking of how you can serve Krishna and becoming one pointed and ignoring the other branches is misused, one of the most misused and misunderstood points in our philosophy. You want to explain? No, well, oh, I explain how it's misused. Yeah. You have to explain how to use it properly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, again and again, even now, and, and certainly with this whole food cooler issue, you know, mm-hmm. all of us, or a lot of us, we we thought we were serving Krishna. Sure. That was an we, example. And we right. neglected other things yeah. in, on the pretext of serving Krishna. Yeah, because we thought taking care of children was, was one of those things we should get rid of and we should just serve Krishna without understanding that taking care of children is the service. Right. And by serving Krishna, we thought, it's like, if I just serve Krishna, which may have meant to us distributing books or going on the altar yeah. or cooking for the deities, then Krishna will take care of all of that mundane stuff like <laughs> taking care of children, supporting my yeah. family, you know. See, there's a difference between brahmacharis and grahastas, and what was what was the, the the surrender of a brahmachari as to what you're supposed to do for Krishna, and the surrender of grahasta, what you're supposed to do for Krishna. Different, you have different obligations and different duties, and there's a way to do. You're supposed to do the duties of a grahasta uh, in Krishna's service. So that becomes your service, not not something extraneous. So there was a, a large-scale misunderstanding of this in, in the very beginning of the movement, and we're still suffering the repercussions of that, unfortunately. I think we're coming to a more clear understanding now. Well, sometimes I wonder. <laughs> so she still wonders. Okay, well, let's keep pushing at it. Because it seems that we have this kind of unspoken, or maybe even spoken hierarchy of what's the most Krishna-conscious thing to do. Like, for instance, if I'm a Kajari, then I'm more Krishna-conscious than if I'm parents or household or mm-hmm. in my house and so because we're maybe because we're westerners and we always want to be on top everybody wants to be a brahmin everybody wants to be the best mm-hmm. whatever is number one that's what i am mm-hmm. and it's hard for us to to ha- you know view with equal vision all the different opportunities so mm-hmm. Sanjaya was a student but he saw the universal form and he got to you know talk, mm-hmm. speak the bhagavad gita and he took sure. a very leadership position but he was a sutra he was a chariot driver mm-hmm. and i don't you know i i I think I could predicate his mind with thinking that he didn't really want to be, you know, the door or 
so he was happy being Sanjaya, but mm-hmm. he got the mercy of Vyas. Yeah. But somehow we feel, we never feel quite, or at least I never, it seems like we don't feel satisfied doing what we're supposed to do for Krishna. We always want to do something higher, better. Well, I think it's always a good idea to want to do something higher and better, but the way to do something higher and better is do what you're supposed to do in full Krishna consciousness. Uh, my, my own experience in Krishna consciousness is, is that if you, if you take whatever service that, that's yours to do according to your duties and obligations, do that service. When in that service you've exhausted all the opportunities for advancement, Krishna will make sure you get another service that, that carries you forward. And that's trusting Krishna also. So it's, um, it's uh, but as a general policy, we, every, every ashram, Varna has its obligations and duties and should, should do those in Krishna consciousness. I mean, that's what the Bhagavad Gita is, is teaching and you shouldn't prematurely uh, give these things up without without uh, a good deal of consideration. Maybe sometimes you're called for to do something strange, but but uh, not as a rule. Not as a rule. Okay. We have the same. We're reading from the same page. Okay. Yes. Do you want to say something? talking about chanting by chanting by the Tulsi plant yes. with the foe. The foe I don't understand. Vow. The foe. The vow. foe I don't understand. Well, the vow is that I've, I've made a vow or a promise. Uh, for example, if I'm initiated to chant 16 rounds a day. See, to do something, to, ma- to, to make a vow and keep it, uh, is very good for your spiritual <coughs> advancement. So even if you haven't been initiated or taken a vow of 16 rounds, it's good to take a vow. It's good to say, well, I'll, I'll take a vow to chant. It sets set something that's, that's doable by you. Uh, it's two rounds a day or four rounds a day or six rounds a day. Make a vow and keep it. And that will help. Okay? Maharaj? An original theme in the class is that reform of the society is best approached by reform of the individual member, that is oneself. Right. Um, going back to the original point, could you say some reassuring and or encouraging or optimistic words that would help us to um, have some, uh, yeah, some prospect that that will work? To 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 um, to make the case, the last generation, Prabhupada's generation, was large. Their society fell apart and failed. Uh, our generation has been through one large-scale reform movement and is now perhaps on the way to another. Another one, right? Um, what's you know? Why should we not expect that? Well, it'll just become like 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 the Presbyterian Church or the Catholic Church or the um, mm-hmm. you know the Reform Jews and and just a, you know, a lot of neophyte people or compromised people with a few saintly people here and there. Um, what could you say that would give us a more a brighter picture? Um, I think it depends upon the people in this room. I don't know if that's brighter or not, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 th- I think that this is something that, that each of us has some control over. 
Uh, and uh, it doesn't depend upon the leadership or that. We, we can all, there's Dharma Shigla, there's, Dharma, you know, the religious principles decline, there's compromise that takes place. One should at least understand this point very clearly that uh, what is pure devotional service? Uh, I, I, I understand that Prabhupada did not come. Uh, we already have, you know, the Lutheran Church, the Episcopal Church. He did not come to start another Karmakanda thing. He really started to uh, uh, um, introduce pure devotional service. Uh, that has been introduced, I think, in the past in different places, and in the course of time has been lost. Uh, uh, and um, I only think that that uh, that we should give it our best shot. Uh, it, it is not guaranteed. There is, there is supposed to be ten thousand year golden age of Krishna consciousness, according to the Bhavishya Purana. It is not guaranteed that we will be the ones to carry it on. <coughs> I don't think that, by the way, that they, the Gaudiya Mat or that failure was, of course, a total loss. Uh, I think, that, and I'm sure that the gain is far greater than the loss, as a matter of fact. And similarly with this Krishna consciousness movement, the gain is always going to be greater than, than the loss. But let's try to minimize our losses <laughs> as much as possible. Understand the process of Krishna consciousness. And, and apply it. And this is something that's in... The reason I want to emphasize the individual is because we are individuals. And ultimately it comes down to the, the mysterious free will in everyone's heart that we can either choose Krishna or we can choose Maya. And if we choose Krishna, we will not only be making that choice for ourselves, we will be helping others that we come into contact with to make that choice also. We will become good association. And when, we, when there's good association, the movement will thrive. Uh, and the more the good association is there, the better it will get. So we'll help ourselves, and we will help others. And that much, whatever we can do, let's do, let's do it. Uh, you, you may be in contact with a lot of people, you may be in contact with a few people. Whatever your capacity is, it will be potent. And, and then it spreads out geometrically. Your, your good association for, uh, for two people, each of those two or two, you know, for two or four, and then, you know, you'd be surprised that your potency is just a humble, insignificant, untitled member of this gun. <laughs> okay, anything else? Okay, thank you very much. Shila Prabhupada Ki.